Greetings, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Uncommon Sense. I'm your host, Kevin Tony. Thank you for tapping in. Listen, I want to type in today uh, and and talk about something that has been on my mind. Uh, I think I've, I've kind of tried to stay away from this topic, but I don't think I can any longer. And this is this is something that I think the the catalyst for me wanting to talk about this topic was the passing of the parental rights bill that was put forth by a one Uncle Ron DeSantis. So Uncle Ron is in trouble again in Florida. Um, And I don't, you know, without going and getting into the weeds of what the bill is about, um, it's been labeled the don't say gay bill. And people, you know, took what they wanted, you know, and, and found some information in the bill that wasn't really there because everybody gets in their feelings and they get triggered when it comes to topics like these. But the meat of the bill is, you know, the provision that says that school teachers are not allowed to talk about sexual identity, um, or gender identity, like sexuality and gender identity is, is like basically off limits for kindergarten through third grade. And there's some other provisions, um, after, you know, after third grade, um, where you can't, you know, say certain things and people are going nuts in Florida. They're saying that, Ron DeSantis is a monster, that he hates, you know, kids that are gay. He has something against kids that are transsexual or whatever. And what's interesting to me is there's all this pushback, you know, that's coming from from this particular bill. And they tried to, to frame it to say that teachers are not even allowed to say the word gay in their classrooms where the word gay is not even mentioned anywhere in the bill. And so these are assumptions that are made that aren't there. And this is something that the media has, you know, really leaned into It's a tactic that they leaned into over the last several years is to kind of get people emotional and triggered about information that's not even included in, you know, what the meat of the matter is. And in in like fashion and being consistent, they've been successful in doing that and getting people in their feelings and getting people triggered. So I have a couple problems. Obviously, the fact that a bill had to be put in place for this in, you know, at all. Like, why was a bill instituted to stop teachers from talking about uh, sex and sexuality and gender identity from kindergarten to third grade. And then to have people come out that have a problem with that. So there are two issues here. Why was there a need for the bill? Why was there a need to stop teachers from talking about sex, sexuality and gender identity to kindergarten and uh, through third grade students. 
Why do we need that? Why do we need that type of oversight? Why do we need the government to intervene to stop these conversations and these ideas from being uh, instituted to the minds of children? Why do we need that? Secondly, any grown adult, why do you have a problem with us stopping that, with that being stopped? Why do you have an issue? Why does it bother you that teachers are not allowed to talk about sex and sexuality with children, kids? Now, this kind of leads me into how I've been feeling about the public school system in America overall in general. Uh, and I have I have skin in the game because, you know, I have a son that's in first grade. He's he's been a product of the public school system in the state of North Carolina for, um, you know, this is his second year, kindergarten, first grade. And I have some concerns. You know, I'm, I'm, my radar is is definitely paying attention to all of this stuff because the potential for it to affect my child is definitely there. And I just recently found out that legislation has been passed in the state of North Carolina to where public school Teachers are encouraging their students to tell them that they don't have to disclose to their parents what their sexual identities are. They're kind of essentially saying, you know, telling it's just another attack on parental rights within the school system. So let me back up. Uh, I'm a back way up. Me being a product of. Michigan public school system. I graduated from high school in 1997. And in Michigan, uh, when I was in school, growing up, elementary, junior high, high school, we didn't have these problems. I think I was in 10th grade before I took a sex education class. And then from what I remember in that sex ed class, you know, the topics that stood out the most were, you know, graphic pictures of the effects of STDs and seeing what herpes does and gonorrhea and, you know, chlamydia and seeing these graphic pictures to make you kind of like the intent was to, I felt like I need to stay away from this so I don't get any of these STDs because they were at that age to me, they were, it was horrifying to see those pictures. But, that was it. Of course, you had the, you know, they talked about the baby stuff because teen pregnancy was was an issue. It was really starting to be more of an issue than um, when I was in high school. And so there was some there was a lot of discussion about that. And I think that was pretty much the gist of it. I don't remember there were no instructions on intercourse or how to masturbate or any. None of that stuff was happening back then. And so. To fast forward now. Um, I have a theory in terms of why things are headed in the direction that they're in, they're headed in or where we are now. They're not even headed in that direction. We're there. I have an issue with what I've called to label these new teachers. And by my own definition, these new teachers are anybody who has completed an early childhood education degree and come out of college to go into the public school system within the last five to eight years. 
Now, within that time frame, there are some exceptions to the rule. Of course, there are good teachers. But what I mean when I say these new teachers, I mean within that specific time frame, these are people that have indoctrinated, they have bought completely in to social justice issues in America. They have completely bought in to wokeism. And in the words of Bill Maher, you know, saying the word woke is now an eye roll. I mean, who cares? It's so overdone and oversaturated. Nobody and, and the meaning of it has been twisted so badly that it doesn't have the same meaning as it did when people first started saying it like five or six years ago. Uh, then it, to be woke was like, OK, that, that meant you were aware of what was happening. Now to be woke means something altogether different. And even then, I think these teachers that are coming into the public school system that have these woke ideologies where they want to champion social justice issues and weave them into the fabric of the school curriculum, I think is problematic. I think these new teachers are why parents are so involved. Now, there's another there's another side to that coin that I'll get to in just in, in just a minute. But for now, I want to focus on the mindset of these new teachers. And a lot of these new teachers, you know, they're coming into the school system. They are these edgy, you know, kind of I'm hip and I'm cool They They don't want, you know, the image of the school teachers we broke. We, we, we grew up with where, you know, the your homeroom teacher or your science lab teacher or, you know, your math teacher, you know, these were just like kind of straight laced, like regular people. I mean, of course you had, you know, I remember having teachers that were kind of, you know, almost like hippie-ish, kind of, you know, um, free spirited, you know, so to speak growing up. But for the most part, you know, most of my teachers, the male teachers were polos and khakis or, you know, a white dress shirt and khakis, um, the male, uh, the female teachers were like slacks, you know, and, and some blouse or even a skirt and a blouse or whatever. But now everybody's these these new teachers, they're hip, they're edgy, they're cool. They're tatted up They're You know, they got buzz cuts for the, you know, these female teachers who come into the classroom looking like studs. And. I think that's. You know, I'm not saying that they can't come in and be comfortable, but I think that, you know, there's, you know, should be there should be a a, a difference um, where you're trying so hard to fit in and be the cool teacher, you know, that you get to a place where you become too familiar with these students. And then these teachers wonder why their students don't respect them. Um, And so. I feel like, you know, you you see these videos on on social media floating around of all of these teachers that have these piercings, these tattoos on their arms, all over their neck. And, you know, uh, and it's just crazy. They have these ideas and, you know, even the ones that are not so out there visibly in their appearance. You have, you know, these teachers that get in these videos and. You know, they talk about how they they have these discussions with their class about gender and, 
you know, teachers, I saw one video where this, this lady was a school teacher and she was just brought to tears of joy because she was able to talk to her class about, about gender and they, they understood my pronouns. And I was just so overwhelmed that they, they understood my pronouns and I could speak to them. And I'm like, you know what? You wonder why parents are concerned and getting involved in what is, you know, being shoved down their 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 uh their children's throats and why you have this push for these parents to get involved in the school board system now and the public school system and there's this this outcry for parents to get involved. It's because these these new teachers feel a need to include their personal worldview into the curriculum what the state is provide providing of a, a curriculum that's already flawed a curriculum that already in my opinion is putting students at a deficit in terms of learning but uh, to add to that they want to include their personal lifestyle their personal worldview into the classroom so these teachers that identify uh, within within the the LGBTQ plus community, uh, they want to make it known to their students. They want to find some way to weave that into the math lesson or the history lesson or the science uh, lesson, as if that has anything to do with the development of a child educationally. And I think that's the problem. I think that's the problem with these, you know, this outcry. So you have these teachers who are and this has been happening for for years now. And I and I'm, I'm getting ready to get to what really blew the door off on this. So you have these teachers that are consistently and constantly injecting their personal lifestyles into the curriculum finding ways to be creative and teach teach students about you know these social issues that have nothing to do with their education and then you have covid come along the pandemic comes along and all of a sudden everybody's home everybody's you know learning remotely everybody's working remotely and so for the first time ever in the history of this country you have moms and dads at home at the same time as their students. Moms and dads are at work. Students are in school. And I heard instances where um, I had friends that, you know, during the pandemic and their kids were um, in school. You know, in some instances, these parents were sitting in the same rooms as their children. While, you know, moms and dads are on their laptops you know, the kids are on their iPads and, you know, or, you know, in a lot of situations like for us, you know, my, my son went through kindergarten during the pandemic. And so he had we had a space set up for him that was designated where he would take his classes uh, and set up, you know, his school iPad to, to do his learning virtually. And the pandemic gave moms and dads a front row seat. We were basically the flies on the wall in the classroom. And so when parents were seeing this stuff and, and were, 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 you know, that up close, they started hearing about what 
their teachers were telling their students. They got a firsthand look at, you know, what the classroom setting was like, what was being taught in these Zoom classes that these, you know, kids were participating in. And parents were starting to kind of get an idea of like, like, wait, what? What's happening here? What exactly are we doing right now? And moms and dads didn't have a choice but to get involved and kind of see like, I don't understand what this has to do with your education. How does this fit into, you know, these math problems that you're trying to solve, these science equations that you're trying to um, study? What does this have to do with social studies or history? You know, and so now to be fair, a good parent who has the means to be involved in their child's education you know, you were involved. This wasn't the first time. Like, you you kind of paid attention. But before the pandemic, school was seen by a lot of families as a means to get the kids out the house while mom and dad are at work. Um, And and so that, you know, or if, if somebody or, you know, single moms who stay home, um, you know, or moms who are, you know, stay-at-home moms who don't work, they looked at it as an opportunity to have some quiet time to themselves while kids were away. And so they didn't have to engage. They didn't have to be involved because out of sight, out of mind. And as long as the kids came home in one piece, it was no problem. We didn't get a call from the school saying that the kid was disruptive or, you know, a parent uh, teacher conference wasn't being scheduled because, you know, little Billy is failing and the teacher kind of wants to get the parents reeled in to kind of get them involved, you know, as long as none of that stuff was happening, parents were happy to go on without this involvement. But now that we're in this environment where students and parents are working together in the same rooms within earshot of each other, parents basically, you know, it was either face up to it or just just really act like it wasn't there. And it got to a point where so much foolishness was happening that a lot of parents were just like, no, I can't, I can't sit by and, and listen to this and let this happen. And there was a lot, it was a lot that went on. You had all of these videos coming out of, you know, teachers being caught on zoom, you know, telling other teachers that, you know, whatever we do now that parents are can listen, we have to we have to find ways to keep parents from finding out what we're telling their kids. And you had all of these videos that go go viral all over social media. And, you know, the media, the corporate media would try to kind of bury these stories and kind of just, you know, frame it in a way that is not really happening or this is really it's really isn't that bad. And. It was that bad. It was absolutely that bad. And that's why you saw this wave of parents getting involved, this wave of, you know, moms who were these stay at home mothers that were listening to the foolishness that these teachers, these new teachers were telling their students and teaching their their kids, their sons and their daughters were being taught this stuff that didn't have anything to do. It was of no real fundamental educational value. And they wanted to get involved. They said, no, this the school board is allowing this. The school district is allowing this. Well, then we need to make some changes. I need to get involved in the school board. I need to get 
you know, really find out what's going on. And so you had these extreme cases of, you know, school districts in Virginia that were going out of their way to stop parents from finding out what was being taught, to stop moms and dads from, you know, having a chance to speak at school board meetings because they didn't want teacher parent involvement, which I really find interesting because you would hear complaints about from teachers. And I have several friends that work within the public school system uh, that are school, you know, both on the administrative side and in the classroom. And one of the long running complaints is we don't have enough help at home from moms and dads who are not engaged. And so a parent, uh, a lot of teachers are having to take on these parent like roles for certain students in the classroom. And it's just not fair. Teachers shouldn't have to do that. Well, now we have a time where teachers are not having to do that. Parents are actually stepping up and parenting where school and education is concerned. And now it's a problem. For these teachers, they have a problem. You know, I talked to one teacher and she said that she's never felt more underappreciated in all her years of, you know, being a school teacher or undervalued by, you know, because parents are involved. But then there was, a you know, complaints about, you know, well, parents can't do this and parents can't do that. But how do you want it was my question is my question. Do you? Uh, you can't can you have it both ways? It's got to be one or the other. Either you want teachers to be involved. And I, and I think a lot of what ha- what's happening is parents that started to get involved were kind of like, wait, what are you doing? What why, why are we why are we headed in this direction? And it stressed out a lot of parents because parents were not happy with what their children were being taught. And that just added to the stress of, you know, if parents are complaining, like, I don't like the way you're trying to shape the mind of my son or my daughter. Contradictory to what, you know, I may be teaching them at home, the values that I'm teaching them at home. And so to kind of find ways around that, you know, teachers complain to the school board and principals complain to the school board. And we need to find ways to keep these parents at bay. We wanted to go back to the way it was where parents weren't involved and they didn't know they weren't aware of what we were teaching their kids. And the horse had already left the barn and it was not coming back in. Uh, And rightfully so. And I think that this is all this is the way it should have been. It, it's 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 really to be honest, it's an indictment on parents who weren't involved. Um, thankfully, that a lot of parents saw the light and they're now involved. Uh, but it's also an indictment on these school teachers. And again, I'm going to say these new teachers who decided that, you know, I'm being handicapped by parents being involved. And so. You started hearing these instances of school boards kind of trying to uh, chip away at the rights of parents in the school system and chipping away and taking, you know, taking an inch here and taking an inch there. And once they get an inch, you know, they would kind of pause. You know, the parents would complain. They would stop what they were doing and then they would just wait a little while and then they take a couple of more inches. And they will just kind of wait it out. So then you had parents that are getting on the school board. They were getting involved and saying, you know what, we need to change these policies um, right now. And and if the school board 
is going to, you know, be effective in really protecting our children, then we got to do something as parents. Now, in my opinion, where school boards are concerned, I believe that one of the requirements of being a school board official is you must have a child presently in a school within the district you intend to represent on the school board. If you don't, then that means you're automatically disqualified from sitting on the school board of that particular county or that particular district. Because if you don't have a student involved, then you don't have a dog in the, you know, you don't have a dog in the hunt, a dog. You don't have any skin in the game. There's no reason for you to really be fully invested if any of the policies that you're voting on as a school board member affect any of the children that you have. And so I think that's been a big problem in a lot of these school boards across the country is there are people on the school board that um, don't have children within the public schools that they serve or even worse, they don't have children at all. And so to me, that's very dangerous. So I think that that should be a requirement. That should be a requirement for every school district. Okay. Um, you want to apply for a school board seat? You want to run for a school school board uh, seat? Great. What school does your child go to? Oh, you don't have a child within the school district? I'm sorry, you're disqualified and move on to somebody else. That's the first thing I think should be happening. Um, and so uh, uh, with this perfect storm is being formed of, you know, it's just coming. You know, we've been on this train ride and it was getting ready to, you know, the, it's a crash collision that's getting ready to happen. COVID comes. Parents are seeing what's going on. And then some of the restrictions of the pandemic are lifted and some kids and a lot of school districts across the countries are allowed to go back to school. So virtual school is no more. But after a year in some school districts, a year and a half of parents having a front row seat to what's happening in the school system and what's happening in their son's or daughter's classroom to go back to the way things were, parents were like, no, nah, I kind of want to see, I want to keep knowing what's happening. So these ideas start being floated about, well, there should be cameras in the school system that parents should be able to access so we can see and hear what's happening. And these teachers started freaking out. Now they want to have classroom uh, cameras in the classroom. And, you know, when does this go? When does this stop? And, you know, why do they need this? You're asking, why do parents want to be involved? Why do parents feel the need to hold teachers accountable for what their children are learning? And the ideas that their children are bringing home again that are, you know, very well could be contradictory to what mom and dad are teaching their kid at home. I, I don't understand, like, why parents or why teachers have a problem with that. If there's nothing to hide. Then you shouldn't have an issue with it. And. You have all of these these teachers now, like teachers are retiring early. Teachers are quitting. Teachers are walking away from public school because they're stressed out. Teachers are unappreciated. They're undervalued. They are at the end of their rope because parents are now involved and they don't like the way that they're teaching their students. 
I kind of feel like, you know, as a parent that has a kid in school, I, I, I feel like I have the say so in what my child should be learning. This is why there's an uptick in homeschool. This is why there's an uptick in moving kids out of public school and into uh, charter and private schools. Because parental rights are under attack. Teachers are not happy with the fact that parents are so involved and they're under all of this scrutiny. Now, to all the good teachers that are out there, and I know that there are many, many Many good teachers out there who are against this. You had a lot of the teachers, you know, uh, viral videos of school teachers at public school um, uh, school board meetings that were pushing back against a lot of the policies that the school board was trying to implement within the school district. And these were teachers that they just want to teach. They want to teach what's right. They want to teach what is going to best fit and best serve our students as they matriculate through the education system in America, going from elementary to junior high school and being prepared, going from, uh, you know, junior high school to high school and being prepared. And all of this stuff that these teachers back, you know, these new teachers that want to implement their personal worldview and their personal lifestyles, their private lifestyle choices that they want to implement It doesn't even matter if your students can't read at grade level, if they can't do math at grade level, your priorities as a school teacher are skewed. They're flawed. They are wrong. It doesn't matter how much critical race theory you want to inject into your lesson plans. If your student can't read and comprehend what they're being taught, what difference does it make? If reading and math proficiency scores continue to be in the toilet. Why do you, why do you feel the need to talk about gender fluidity or gender identity or teaching the fact that there are an unlimited number of genders, numerical issues to kids that are failing math. You're trying to teach uh, seventh graders about gender fluidity and they're learning on a third grade math level, a third grade reading level. Are you kidding? <laughs> I I don't understand it. I don't understand how teachers, I mean, any teacher who really cares about seeing their students excel would want to make sure that their kids are prepared. Now, my son in school when we, you know, when he started first grade, we met with his school teacher and I've been kind of fortunate to, you know, his kindergarten teacher, his first grade teacher, my radar, my antenna have been, I've been on high alert for his school teachers and his administrators. Uh, and thankfully he's, you know, in a system, uh, within the school that, you know, I haven't seen anything that would raise any red flags yet. And I'm thankful for that. But I definitely know that it's coming. I know the potential is coming. I know that, you know, eventually that we'll have to deal with some things where we'll have to, you know, my son will come home from school and I'll have to tell him to unlearn what his teacher just told him or say that that's not right. Um, But 
his teacher at the beginning in the, in in our in our meeting with her, she said that, hey, you know what? It's first grade. The main focus for us is getting the student at reading level so that they're ready for second grade. And I'm totally fine with that. I'm on board with that. If you just want to make sure that my child can read at grade level so that he's prepared for second grade reading, then to me, that's that sounds like somebody who's doing their job, who wants to, you know, make sure that the fundamentals are instilled. And this extra stuff that really doesn't have anything to do with that is being left out. And I appreciate that. As a parent, I find value in that. My child is finding value in that, and he's excelling. Now, to be fair, uh, his mom and I are helping him at home. He comes home, and we, you know, we check his homework. We do it with him. And I know a lot of kids don't have access to that. So these are these gray areas where, um, you know, some parents are not as involved. Some students don't have the privilege to have their moms and dads involved on the, on the level that other kids are able to have, you know, their parents involved. And I totally understand that. And I think that um, even still, we need to invite parents in to be to hold teachers accountable. If I was a school teacher, I would welcome feedback from parents because I'm shaping the mind of their child, not mine, theirs. And I need to respect that as a teacher. I need to respect the fact that I'm not this child's father as a school teacher. These parents need to respect the fact that they're not this child's mother. And there are certain things that they don't have any business certain topics that don't they don't have any business discussing with their students. And these teachers, these new teachers consistently take liberties that are not theirs to take. And that's why they get so much pushback. That's why, you know, there's so there's such an uproar for moms and dads to be involved. So I don't know. I, I don't know what I don't know how we stop it. I think um I think the, the, the way to kind of curb a lot of this is what's happening already is, you know, the advent of the school board mom, where parents are getting involved and helping shape what's, you know, coming down the pipeline for the child to be to be taught in school. What can we stop teaching that's not effective? What can we take out? What can we add in? Because here's a, here's the other side of that. While these these new teachers feel the need to add in their personal lifestyle choices, their private lives, and give students a peek into what, what they do when they're not in school and on the weekends and what they're, you know, how cool and edgy and, and sexy their lives are. Christians, Christian uh, teachers, Islam, you know, teachers that practice Islam or Buddhism, you know, especially Christian teachers. There's no way that you know, we don't want to know about your personal worldview or your personal life choices. We don't we're not in it. If it has anything to do with the church or Christianity or any type of religious belief or, you know, any type of religious value or moral value, you know, that's undergirded by a religious foundation. No, that that should be left out of the classroom. No, we don't we don't want that. We don't want that. But if you're gay or if you're trans or if you use certain pronouns, yes, that's not a problem. You can talk about that. 
And it's a bunch of hypocrisy. So parents got sick of it. Parents got involved and teachers are now just too stressed to deal with it. They don't want the accountability. Whereas I feel like these older teachers who have, you know, these veteran teachers who have 20 years or more, 25 years or more that are coming up on retirement, you know, they've been in it long enough to where they see the problems. They find they know the issues. And I don't you know, I think a lot of them don't have a problem with parents being involved. They welcome it. It's these new teachers that I just don't think I just can't do my job. Well. Stick to the curriculum and you won't have these problems. We don't care about your personal lifestyle. My son is not interested in in knowing what a 20 something, you know, 30 something year old teacher does in their free time after school. What kind of activities they engage in or who they hang out with or what lifestyle choices they make. We don't care about that. They don't. They're too young. Their minds are too young to comprehend it. So when a bill is put forth that says, Hey, kindergarten through third grade teachers, you can't talk about this because it's inappropriate. And and to be honest, it's really not it's really it really shouldn't be discussed in school at all. These are these are conversations that parents should have with their students first. I mean with their with their kids uh first, not teachers. And teachers should definitely not be trying to keep parents from finding out What's being discussed in the classroom? I'm against it, as a lot of parents are. I'm not here for it. I'm not here for any of it. And so for all of these teachers who feel attacked uh, and feel like they can't hold up to the scrutiny uh, for the job to which they went to college for, that they studied for to learn, and you decided you took it upon yourself to kind of figure out how you can creatively weave in critical race theory or how creative you can put gender identity into the science lab at science lab uh, lesson or into the math lesson. We didn't ask you for any of that. None of it. So. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I have so much more to say on this topic, so I feel um I will definitely be revisiting this because I didn't even get to the critical race theory uh, aspect of it, which is a completely exhausting topic for public schools. I didn't touch on the teachers unions. I didn't get to any of that stuff. So I will definitely be revisiting this part of the conversation. So look forward to it. In the meantime, if you feel um, led, send me an email at uncommon sense with KT at gmail.com. Let me know what you think about what your child is learning in school. Are you for it? Are you against it? If you're for it, let me know why. If you're against it, let me know why. I'd love to hear your feedback. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please give me a review. Uh, Give me a rating as well. It definitely helps doing everything I can to kind of grow this platform. So I appreciate everybody that's listening. All the new listeners, shout out to you. I appreciate all of you. And until the next episode, stay safe and God bless.